Okay, I think we should uh, move on. Um, last Thursday we stopped, I think, in here. We, we are talking about graph traversal algorithms. We can have directed graphs, undirected graphs. It's exactly the same graph, the same layout, just uh, some edges have directions or not in this case. And uh, I try to convince that uh, searching through the graph, breadth first, depth first, or random order are more or less equivalent to each other. So in the directed graphs, the edges only go clockwise, and the same edge, of course, in the case of undirected, can go both ways. Um, in this case, it's breadth first, so one hop, two hop, three hop neighborhoods, um, and the time to go through the entire graph is exactly the same. In the depth first search, usually you implement the recursion algorithm, you see the node, you explore from there to the next one, to the next one, etc. When needed, you backtrack. It corresponds to the use of stack. The recursion is implemented as a stack within the computer execution. Uh, so this is use, using stack. This is using a queue. So one hop neighbors are in the queue. You keep fetching. You keep adding the two hop neighbors into the queue. The three hop neighbors, etc. Then you systematically go through them. But of all the unexplored edges or nodes, you can fetch anyone out, uh, random element as well. And uh, I, I also said that when you have a collection of edges or collection of nodes that you have not explored further, you can in fact select any one, any one of them, either randomly or by some heuristic, by some priority. The most important node you explore further. So this one tries to explore always clockwise the largest degree, if you think of the clock, so the larger value. This is beyond uh, uh, 12 o'clock in here, so this is already a small value. And then it backtracks and tries to fill in uh, the other nodes. So, to remind now uh, about the depth first search algorithm, um, we have paid everything right, we haven't explored any nodes, uncharted territories, and now go through every vertex in the graph. If it is uncharted territory right, then visit starting from this node. Of course, you visit. With this algorithm, you visit, you explore from this node, whatever you can find. Those are labeled uh, first gray, then black. But the next component you discover by, again, systematically, you continue this loop. Some of those have become uh, visited already. The moment you discover a new node that has not been visited, you call the search from that node. So this is the depth first search 
algorithm that is recursively implemented in here. When you visit the node, you discover the node first, you, you add one tick to the clock, you discover at this time. When you process all the neighbors, visit all the neighbors in the depth first search order, when everything is completed, then you have explored everything starting from, from, the, from this node, and then you say that you, can com you have completed and you put in the finishing time finishing time stamp for this particular node U. So the discovery timestamp and finishing timestamps are here um, important. Um, and uh, the, we are going to use them uh, in the topological sort, but uh, the claim is that we, when you discover, we open parentheses. When you complete, you finish the time, then you close the parentheses, and what you can observe, we have the proper parentheses. So either the parentheses are fully before and after, they are separate, or when you have parentheses, then you have fully inside one way or outside inside. So there is no breaking of the open and close parentheses. If you open one, you close there, you open something that you close later. Yeah. And, uh, and this can be uh, easily proved. You, you discover one node, you discover the next second node, you have the options whether you finish before or you finish after. If you discover the first node, then discover the second node, and you finish the first node after, then this one also has to be finished before. And uh, you have discovered this node, you open the parentheses, then you discover this one. Um, you open this node, discovery of D, discovery of U, this is U, this is V. Then whatever you keep finding and exploring from this node, you have to complete everything, all the explorations in here, you discover, you, you finish with this node, and only then you backtrack to that layer, and then you can finish uh, the U in here. And uh, with this discovery and finishing timestamps, again, to remind you that uh, we can easily see that we started exploration from node S at time point 1, 1, 2, 3, 4, then we observe certain packages, there is, we have been there already, then we finish 5, we finish 6, we come back here, we found, find a new node, 7, we have been there already, we finish at time point 8, we backtrack, we finish at time point 9, at time point 10, then our loop, the main loop, 
kept looking for undiscovered nodes, and then you discover at the 11th time point this one, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. And this produces this parenthesization, uh, basically like a, for the depth first search three, it's the parenthesization of this depth first search three. And you can say that one node has some descendant anywhere in here in the depth first search tree. If at the time we discover this node, there is a white path going to that node that we are going to explore later. So then, then in the tree, this is somewhere ancestor and this is somewhere uh, descendant. In the depth first search, we create three edges when we discover the node first, that is going to be in the tree. Uh, we may discover back edges that go up in the tree, or forward edge, we have discovered this path, and now we find another path that also goes to that path that is a forward edge, or cross edge from one tree path to the other. So this illustrates those uh, four types of edges. Black are going to stay in the tree. In fact, we are going to discover multiple trees. Each discovery will, uh, each discovery of a new node starts a new uh, tree. When we have one connected component, we have another node that is going to be a new tree uh, top. So we will have a forest of such trees. It are, is this classification, so th this is on the directed graphs, we explore, find the, find the uh, edge, this is going to be a tree edge, we find this one, uh, this is going to be back edge, from here we have a cross edge, we have been already on that path, and uh, this one, once you backtrack here, you observe, oh, we have been there already. If the graph is, is not directed, if the graph is undirected, then some of those edges will never be found. Which ones? Back edge. So you, you go depth first. you would find this edge. Let, look at the, the red one. If there is edge, if this is undirected, then you don't need to wait until you uh, go to six and then find this. From three, you should have found that already. Right? So the cross edges will not be there. And also the forward edges will not be there. Oh, how is it? In the, yeah, in the depth first search of undirected graph, every edge is going to be either a tree edge or a back edge. So forward, suppose there is a forward edge that goes deeper, 
But once we have been there, we should have found it already. Yeah. It goes forward somewhere where we have been already. So when we were there, we should have found it. And then we should have called that the back edge. In the case of undirected graph. Because then the same edge is discoverable from both ends. So, um, and, and in here, if, if this is undirected graph, so you come here and then you can find the uh, back edge, but not the cross or forward edges. Okay, and directed acyclic graph or bag. In Australia, it's uh, not a nice word, but uh, in Europe, we use this bag often, directed acyclic graph. Uh, how do we prove that there is no cycles? You can prove it by going through the graph depth per search manner, and if there is no back edges, then there is not going to, uh, if there are back edges, that means that you found the node, you have the back edge, and then you have a cycle. So occurrence of the back edge would define the cycle. <coughs> In this graph, this node is called articulation, vertex or node. If uh, by deletion of this single node, we get two separate parts. So, uh, articulation vertex would be something that would, uh, by deletion, we get two separate components. Of course, one way would be to just one by one delete and try the search and see if we have created a new component or not. The faster way is to simply run the depth-first search uh, on that graph and if there is a node and subtree where there is no back edge that goes to the ancestor of this x so by, delete, uh, by deleting this x we have separated this uh, part in here so x is going to be articulation vertex <coughs> since this right subtree does not have back edge incident to to proper ancestor of uh, um, higher somewhere in the tree. So in here, there is going to be a loop, so x, deleting of x would not uh, break the graph, but in here, this right side would be uh, broken uh, by deleting x. And leaves cannot be articulation vertices because uh, somehow when you, have, when you have the leaf, then deleting of that, you don't get two separate components. So on the graphs, uh, these articulation points or bridges uh, can be, in fact, identified uh, by, by this kind of analysis. And uh, potentially these uh, articulation points or bridges are important because you could think of those as, as the weak point if you break that then everything gets uh, broken, for example, in the, some infrastructure network 
electric networks uh, or uh, why not the internet networks. Okay, um, the next important question is uh, how do we Let's take a direct graph. Assume that there are no uh, loops, no uh, cycles in there. How can we sort the graph in the way, how can we sort the nodes of the graph so that uh, the edges always point uh, forward? So in here, starting from G, A, B, C, FED would be one topological sort so that if we lay the graph, uh, if we draw the graph so that we put G, A, B, C, F, E, D, then all the edges will only go right in the right direction and nothing goes back to the left. Uh, so this is easily. Uh, like, like in the project management job, A has to be completed before you can start C. So this is like a dependency graph. Something has to be done before. Um, and then you ask, what would be the order so that you don't break any dependencies? For example, if this is the dependency graph, you would say that, okay, as a project manager, I would like to start working from G, A, B, C, F, E, D, so that we don't get any uh, problems with the priority. Uh, how do we how do we get this topological sort order uh, from a directed graph, any graph input? How do we sort it topologically? You don't know in the beginning what will be the first node. This is a uh, the wake up call in the morning, you have to put on the clothes and you shouldn't put in put on jacket before you have put on your tie. Right? So before wearing shoes, you should wear socks. So what is the order in which you, you should start dressing in the morning? The start and finishing times in here just show one Text first search order uh, pass. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The next was nine, ten. There is no dependencies when to wear the wristwatch. Uh, then starting from here, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and then observing there was still one note, socks, but from the socks, everything has been found, so 1718. So that shows the text first search order. How do we get the topological order? What should be the last thing that you put on in the morning? Or first thing? Should you start the last or first? Yeah? Maybe we should uh, 
18, 16, 15, 14, etc. Yeah. So you first complete the search and then you sort by the finishing time. 18, 16, 15, 14, 10, 8, 7, 5, 4. Um, so you can, you can do the one pass through then sort by finishing time, and then you have the uh, one ordering. There could be more, because the watch could be, in fact, inserted any place, right? There could be different orders. Uh, they're all still topologically sorted. The, in this case, the algorithm would be, what complexity? Linear time to go through the graph once. Sorting. How fast? It's not a trick question. You, you would do n log n sorting, quick sorting, something. Nice. The easier thing is actually to observe immediately that uh, the moment you finish with some node, then you can already output this as the last. And then prepare the previous one, previous one, etc. So uh, you start uh, depth first search to compute the finishing times for every vertex. As the node becomes finished, then insert it in front of a linked list. The moment you already, then you get them in order, right? The first one you complete, you put in the in the queue, in, in the linked list. The next one you put in front of that, in front of that, in front of that. So and then you just return that linked list. So the sorting already is implicitly there. You don't need to sort it uh, separately. So single depth first search gives us, in fact, already the topologically sorted ordering of the nodes. Just another example, one, two, three, that's our last rack. Four, seven, eight, nine, ten. So we have this linked list. And uh, the correctness, um, so basically you need to uh, show that uh, well, you need to analyze the correctness and, and indeed prove that if that was starting from some path, that was the last, uh, the first thing finished, so you can put that at the end of the queue. Now, this uh, topological sort only worked in the case that there were no cycles. Because when there is a cycle, then, by necessity, you would have to point back. Right? You can't, by just uh, drawing the graph in different order, get rid of the cycle. Cycle would be pointing somewhere back. 
but in the directed graph, we can identify something that is called strongly connected components. A strongly connected component would be something, some part there, you can see there is a cycle in here, and the definition of the strongly connected component is that from any node within this component, you can reach any other node in that component. In here, you can reach all of, all of those nodes. If you go there, you can't go back. So this is a connected component. This one is connected component. This one is connected component. And this one. So, or this example, we can see that there is a connected component. This way, you can go through every possible node. So from any one you start, you find the others, right? But once you go to this comp component, there is no way back, right? In here, you have the same sort of loop structure, so this is a connected component. This is connected component, and this one is single node as a connected, uh, connected component. If all of these nodes are reachable from each other, then we can take the directed graph and collapse that component to a single node. Because they would be reachable within that component anyway. Uh, so instead of this, uh, let me see if this is one, this way, this way, this way, yeah. So this one, one, two, three, four nodes, instead of the more complicated graph, you can draw it like this component graph, so that one node corresponds now to potentially many nodes that are all reachable from each other within that component. So this is, you take the directed graph, if we can identify those strongly connected components and collapse them together, then we would get the com component graph such that in this new graph we have one node per every strongly connected component in the original graph, and the edges uh, correspond to links as they were between in here is one, two links from one to the other, but of course we just need to represent one in here. Can this component graph have cycles now? Why not? If there would be some back edge, we would have one component, the other, but we, from, from node in here, we would go there and back. So that was, should have all collapsed to a single strongly connected component. So by this eliminating the strongly connected components, collapsing them together, we have suddenly a cyclic directed graph to that, that we can in fact topologically solve. So how do we, so basically the question is now how to find those uh, strongly connected components and uh, potentially if you would uh, uh, 
uh, need to or like to then potentially also uh, get the topological order of this uh, strongly connected uh, or this component crowd. How can we identify those strongly connected components? There is a resemblance to the uh, topological sorting. Well, let's go to this example immediately. Um, Okay, so th this proves that uh, the component graph is going to be directed to a cyclic graph, doesn't have uh, cycles anymore. Uh, this one was just illustrating again we have the graph, and if we apply depth first search, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, then discover this one, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So how can we, from this information, somehow derive uh, the strongly connected components? It, it is not immediately visible, perhaps, but uh, it's not very complicated. What would happen to the graph if we reverse all the edges. Would that break our strongly connected components? Would the strongly connected components be different somehow? Exactly the same? By reversing, once we could go one way, by reversing then you can go the other way. So the component, components uh, will be there. Uh, if you reverse between the components, then from here there were only forward there. If we reverse them, there will be only backwards. So we can't even get out of this component somehow. So we can transpose the directed graph by just reversing, keeping the same uh, vertices, but try, uh, reversing the edges so that uh, uv becomes vu in the new edge list. Um, and of course, you can just reverse uh, quickly uh, by going through the adjacency lists, uh, for example. You can manipulate graph to reverse the graph quickly. And now the algorithm to, de to determine strongly connected components becomes as, as such. We implement, we run depth first search once, then we traverse the graph, or, well, we transpose the graph, sorry, not, we transpose the graph, and then call depth first search again on the transposed graph, but now we already know something about the previous finishing times. So, so now in the main loop, we just go through the vertices in the decreasing finishing times 
as computed in the first step first circuit. And each one of the steps for search, uh, you start from a node, you discover something, and that is going to be your strongly connected component. You start from the next one, you discover something new, you could go also to, to that one, but those have been completed already, that is the next component. So in this example, so if this was the original graph, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, etc. So this is the graph. What happens when we traverse, when we when we transpose the links and uh, consider only the finishing times 16, 16, 10, 7, 6. So this is transpose graph. If we start from this one first, what do we discover? We discover this component. And nothing else. Then we start from this one, we discover this component, we discover this component, we have been there already, yeah? and then we discover this component. And then we can say that we create this component uh, graph instead. And this one doesn't have uh, cycles, so there is, uh, in fact, uh, by the finishing times, uh, we sort of get the topological sort order, um, and uh, by considering them in the reverse order, we get the, the last component now first. So basically, we in the first step, first search order, we create the topological sort order, and in the second run, we just follow that topological sort order, and uh, this allows us to discover uh, discover those components. In this case, the discovery finishing times uh, refer to the first pass in the depth first search order. So the analysis would be between the components somehow that if there is a link, if there would be, uh, uh, there cannot be uh, cycles because otherwise they would they would collapse, and uh, by going through in the right order, um, I'm not going to stop it here. Um, you can guarantee and ensure that, in fact, you, you find the entire component first and nothing else. The first, you, you discover the component and nothing else. You start from the next one, you discover that component and nothing else. And keep going um, time-wise um, to the earlier time points. Okay. Um, so the depth first search order is another example of well, the, the depth first search order traversal 
allowed us to do topological sorting, find articulation points, as well as uh, do the strongly connected component search. In all those cases that we have discovered so far, it's just the uh, edge, directed or undirected, but there was no weight. And it's obvious because uh, that we want to have weights because a relationship can have many different meanings and we would like to express how strong or weak that relationship is by adding some weight or distance in geography. Right? The two cities are further apart, those cities are closer apart, so just add the weight to every edge. Of course, for every native, for, for every edge, it's easy. You just add in the data structure, the weight. Um, but once we have the graph and weights, then we can do the following thing. In the first, in the graph traversals, we started from some node and said that we discovered the rest of the graph and we create the tree, the search order tree. And it depends on from which node you start, you get different trees. But once you have the complete graph and the weights, uh, there is one specific tree that is called minimum spanning tree uh, that will cover every node of the, in the graph. It has to be connected in, in this case, but such that the sum of the edge weights will be minimized. So we want to find such a tree that covers all the nodes, but the sum of the all the parts will be minimal. If, if all the weights are different from each other, there is only one single unique a minimum spanning tree. If there are the same weight edges, you could have alternative trees. I think there was, yeah, like in here. Imagine this case, if there would be all unit cost, everything would be connected to everything else, then this would be minimum spanning tree, as is this for the same graph. Because in this case, you would just count how many edges there is. And there is n minus one edges in the tree. But if the weights are all different, like in here, there is going to be a single unique minimum spanning tree. And uh, to find the minimum spanning tree, well, the, the first practical application, of course, is the uh, electrification of the entire map, right? The cities. So, how would you uh, build the shortest? electric wiring, it's enough to just get one wire to the city. How do you wire the entire country to have the shortest uh, uh, shortest overall length of the network? That is like a, a minimum spanning tree. The two algorithms, Kruskal's and Prim's, are uh, are the standard ones, both of those are represent greedy algorithms, 
And that means that, and they, they both uh, work uh, quickly, so it's number of edges times logarithm of number of, of uh, nodes. Edges is larger than uh, number of nodes anyway. How do we get greedy? How do we build this minimum spanning tree greedily? What is the first edge that has to be on that tree? The lowest weight. The overall, the overall, the overall smallest weight edge has to be there because that connects two to the cheapest price. At least this one has to be there. And then, what are the choices? How do you find the next one? There is this one with the two, or this one with the two. Well, in this case, both end up being on the minimum spanning tree. If one algorithm just starts connecting components wherever the next smallest value is, but doesn't unnecessarily connect those that are already in the same component. So it's like what we did with the... Um, when we generated the maze, connecting the rooms or breaking the wall between the two cells only if they were in separate components. So making the edge only if you connect two components together that were not together before. So this is uh, one way and the other is, okay, this is going to be on the tree, we only care what is the neighborhood of this current starting point? So this was, is the neighborhood, this is the smallest value of the neighborhood, that must be on the tree. So having just H and G connected, this is a start, and then we have 2, 6, 7, 11, 8. So this one brings in the new value, so this will be on the tree. Then we find this 4, etc. So one rows, one component adding one by one by one new elements to the same component and the other starts creating small pieces here and there uh, to get the overall tree at the end. So this is uh, just illustrate another illustration of the weighted graph and minimum spanning tree um, so you could imagine that it starts from here, one, and then either expanding one component or creating one component in here, another one in there, and then ultimately uh, connecting the larger and larger components together. Uh, these minimum spanning trees also can actually help us in the traveling salesman uh, problem formulation. So we will look at that later. So if we get the minimum spanning tree, if the traveling salesman problem tra tries to find the shortest path through all the cities, uh, then minimum spanning tree and following the paths according to this order given by minimum spanning tree, we can get a pretty good approximation. Something that is not twice, it, it's, it's the traveling salesman problem solution will be the optimal one. 
and the minimum uh, spanning tree version, uh, the difference is less than twofold. So we get something that is already approximately close to the optimal solution. Okay, again, this is, imagine the graph, all the connections are there, because there are too many, we don't draw them, all the connections are there, they are topologically put on the map, so the first ones to connect will be the short distances in here, in here, so this is going to be the minimum spanning tree for this fully connected graph in here. And we can approximate the traveling salesman problem by just following the starting from here, this, this, then you go there, so A, B, C, D. If you go back in here, you discover D, so after B come, uh, comes D, E, F, G, and back. So this version already is not too bad. It has crossings, it's not optimal, but it's less than two times worse than this optimal one in here. So minimum spanning tree can give us a rather good uh, starting point for such uh, shortest path uh, traveling salesman solution. So basically I, I tried to uh, highlight already this uh, how to how to find the minimum spanning tree and we start growing the tree one edge by one edge uh, one edge at a time but somehow we within the loop we have to make sure that uh, oh, oh yeah and while we construct all the time we, we add edges that are going to be on the minimum spanning tree so we shouldn't break that it has to greedily work uh, perfectly so in the generic case, as long as we don't have yet the full spanning tree, then we find one edge that is going to be on that tree, and then just add that edge to this tree. So we keep adding to the ultimate A, ultimate tree, the new edges that are going to be on that uh, minimum spanning tree. So what, what, is, what is safe in here? It, it has to be safe, it has to stay on that tree, and uh, safe is going to be such that you can imagine you can think of the graph and whichever nodes we highlight in here sort of black nodes versus white nodes, then we can separate the graph between the blacks and whites and just look at the edge that goes across the separation line between black and white region 10, 14, 7, 8, 11, 8. The smallest one on this separation plane across here so that is going to be safe. That is the, only, that is the smallest distance uh, edge that are going to be, is going to join the two parts. So it, we can sort of think of the, of the 
graph where we have highlighted the S one part, then all the other nodes are on the other side. So S and the rest look at all the edges between those and find the smallest weight edge and that that and that is going to be safe. Because this is the, the cheapest way to connect those two uh, parts together. Um, in here, in this example, we have already in the AB, CI, HG, GF. So this is uh, one part in here. If we have A, B, C, I, E as one, like blacks and whites, then any edge across this blue line, uh, we can find the, the cheapest one and add to the tree. So these are the green ones that are crossing the blue uh, boundary and of those the four is the uh, shortest. So this is going to end up in, the, in this ultimate tree, uh, minimum spanning tree. Okay, and the, again it, it will be, it is the, the cheapest way to connect at the moment and ultimately, when you keep doing this, there is no other way um, that is going to be cheaper. So that is the argumentation of the correctness. If you have made the connection, there is no other way that would give us the shorter uh, connection later. Now, Kruskal and Prim. Kruskal keeps a forest of tree, starts in different places and Prim forms a single tree and just explores all the time its neighborhood. We have the tree, we explore the neighborhood and keep adding the, the next safe edge that separates the current tree and all the rest. In the forest, uh, always out of the remaining uh, edges, find one that connects two distinct components if they were not connected yet. They have to be distinct. Um, so Prims was the one with, uh, with the single tree, right? Prims forms a single tree, um, starts finding... Um, oh yeah, this is the graph. Prims uh, first identify the smallest, uh, which one is the smallest? Prim has to start from some node, A, because that node is going to be anyway on the tree, right? So if we start, if, if start Prim's from node A, then the first edge to add is 5, the weight 5 in here. That's going to be added first because that was the cheapest so far. Now we have two nodes and all these edges add this in the second step, add this in the third step. 
this on the fourth step, this is cheaper to connect from here rather than from here. Uh, in this order, one, two, three, four, five, six. So the, the prim algorithm starts growing the tree, adding in this order the edges. While Kruskal looks at the entire graph and just identifies the first, the smallest weight edge. This one is the first. The next one in here connects distinct two distinct components. So first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Um, both of those are minimum spanning trees. Um, they should have exactly the same um, sum of edge weights. Five plus seven, twelve, sixteen, nineteen, twenty-one, twenty-three. In this case, if I'm if I'm calculating correct, so twenty-three in this case, and let's look in here. Five and seven is twelve. Fourteen, sixteen. 19, 22. Uh, maybe I'll come. Is there some uh, incorrect summer? 12, 14, 16, 19, 23. 19 plus 4 is 23. Also 23. Both of those gave 23. Um, so this is the basic idea. Let me see if, if I can add something in here. Mm. Yes, how to make it? Uh, how to make the print algorithm that grows one single tree all the time? Uh, how to make it uh, fast? We create a heap because we always want to get the smallest value out of the heap. Greedily. Um, as long as there are edges in the heap, uh, take the smallest one, add to the tree. Now look at the adjacent nodes. Um, we added UE, so we have the um, U node U. Look at all the neighbors. If the node uh, uh, mean heap. There are there are going to be nodes, not edges, right? So there are going to be nodes. We fetch a node uh, by smallest uh, uh, distance. Add that to the tree, and now we. When we look at the adjacent ones, um, when we keep growing the tree, a single tree, um, if there was one connection with high value, maybe that was distance seven, but this one, once we have added this, it will be cheaper to connect to that node. So for this node, to be in the priority queue, 
we need to update the distance. So instead of seven for this node, we now say that that's going to be only five, five distance five away from our own three. So we need something where we can, in fact, decrease distance uh, to this new node. The, the same node in the, sorry, the, the node already is in the heap, but we just decrease the distance to that. And uh, that's where all these binomial heaps, etc., will be useful. Because you can point to the node in the heap, decrease distance, update the heap, uh, bubble it up, and uh, your priority queue works. And uh, in the beginning, all the nodes, well, basically, you can think of the, all the nodes that are going to be in the heap, and you fetch the next one that is closest, you add to the tree, and until your heap becomes empty. So all the nodes remain in the heap, but we find the smallest one until the shortest one, uh, closest one, and then until it becomes empty. In the beginning, in the beginning, we don't know the distances, so we just assume that everything is at infinite distance away. And while we start exploring the neighborhood of the node in the heap, or, or node in the in this uh, current minimum spanning tree, then we get updating the distances. That's how it works. So we need a, a, a priority queue algorithm in here to quickly. Uh, update and keep finding the closest uh, nodes. So in a way it's uh, like a graph traversal algorithm, but heuristically we fetch the one that is closest to the current tree. I said before we, we can have everything in the priority queue, and now we ju just fetch the one that is closest to any of the nodes or that are already on the tree. Okay, um, the Kruskal algorithm makes from every node individual set, like we did for the uh, union find case, every node is separated. It's not connected to anything else yet. Uh, then we take all the edges that are in the graph. We order them by weight. So that we take all the edges first. We sort them. And just take, uh, from your point of view, this is the smallest. So uh, the smallest edge and connect the, the two nodes connected by that edge Take the next one, connect those, connect those. If we have two components that already are on the same uh, set, then we don't need to do anything. We just discard that and we keep going through all the edges once uh, in this ordered uh, uh, ordering by weight. So the Kruskal algorithm takes all the edges, 
source them, orders them by, uh, by weight, and then that does this union find uh, kind of trick. Check if U and V are on the same component. If not, then add that H to the A, the minimum spanning tree, and you make the union of the two connected, disconnected components. Um, and this union find in here, as you remember, we did the union find, is going to take uh, this reverse Ackermann's function time n, so basically 4 times n, it's almost linear time algorithm, uh, to do this union find in here. And therefore, the dominant uh, part of the algorithm is just ordering by weight all the ages. Um, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to show this one. So this is the prim, starts growing one tree, adding elements to the tree, and this is Kruskal, finds across all the uh, regions, the short distances, uh, longer and longer uh, connections, until globally gets, finally, a minimum spanning tree. If the, all the edges are different weight, the minimum spanning trees are going to be exactly the same both cases. And this is a Borovka, uh, different minimum spanning tree algorithm, uh, basically, that tries to do it in four hops, somehow, uh, four stages, uh, and uh, I don't know all the details exactly, how, the, how does it work, but somehow tries to uh, make as many connections in the beginning as possible. But this is the two cases uh, that we looked at prims and skulls, single tree, find that is closest to the tree, existing tree, or out of all the edges here and there, just start growing the minimum spanning tree, and both give us the, the same, uh, by definition, the same minimum spanning tree. So we have n, v, v is the number of uh, uh, nodes, so in the prim we have all the nodes in the beginning are in the queue, uh, you can, uh, depending which type of uh, heap you do, you have the number of edges, um, sort of you traverse the graph, but every every time from this uh, graph, when you fetch the, the, from the priority queue, it's a logarithmic time operation, and V elements in the in the queue. Um, so basically this is with the priority queue implementation. You fetch the next node, you explore its neighborhood, every edge will be touched once, or from both ways, twice, and then the queue operations are logarithmic. And in the case of Kruskal, it's the single sorting uh, of all the edges by the, by the weight uh, of the edges, and then just fetch uh, from this order and apply the union find, which is, uh, which is fast. Um, I have been going 
quite quickly now over these uh, things. Uh, Very little to follow. You want to go back? You have some 20 minutes left. For me, I would like next time to have a five minute break. Between. You want to have a five minute break now? I don't know. Now it's You have to remind me because when I speak, then it's I don't follow the well. You can fall asleep easier than I do. Uh, okay, uh, but let's let's uh, take some light of the thing again. So we have been looking at the graphs, um, how to traverse the graph, how to find the uh, minimum spanning trees. In this case. Um, Look at the graph that is defined by four-letter words, and there is a connection if there is just distance one between the two words. By replacing one letter, we, get, we can get from one to the other. Now, what you can do with this case is that you can say that, okay, this word and this word, core and live. I make it almost like a game. From this word to that word, uh, what is the shortest way to go? What is the next word where you replace just one single letter? You start from one word and you end up in the other. So from, what did I say, from core to live, the shortest one is probably something like This, 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 this. One, two, three, four, five. Is there any four hole? One, two, three, four. Sorry. One, two, three, four. Four, cone, load, love, live. So you can you can ask. Now, if we point two fingers on two nodes, what is the shortest path uh, to connect those uh, nodes? If we, if we start from, from a single node, then our breadth-first search gives us the one-hop neighborhood and two-hop neighborhood. So from love, uh, you can go the shortest distance to any other node. Is it all the same example? Uh, love, late. One, two hops in there. One, two. Is there from love to kill something short? There's two gives. There is two gives? Maybe there is some mistake in here. Uh, I don't know. By this illustration, it, it would look like there is no. It's not two exactly two hops because from here you, you you can't go. You can you can go from there. Right? So 
from a single node, how do we do this shortest path to, to anything? You just look at the neighborhood and the next neighborhood and next. One, two, three, four. That is the shortest path. But in a more generic case, uh, like in here, when we have the weights from this one, the red is the, the shortest path tree through the graph, uh, so that the weights two, 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 six, distance six to go there, uh, distance uh, two, two, one, five to go there, and five is shorter than seven. So from this path, we would prefer to go from here to get distance 5 rather than across the mountain, uh, distance 7. So these kind of shortest paths are, of course, important in transportation. Find me the shortest path from here to, uh, to Pavno. Um, in... Uh, moving characters, if you draw cartoons, cartoon figure is in here and then has to go there, then fill in the shortest path in between so that it would be natural movement. You don't take detours. Um, or, of course, in the communications, you would like to send the messages through the uh, shortest uh, connections. <laughs> Who remembers the, the keyboard uh, telephone uh, Nokia's? Does anybody have the keyboards? So what will happen? Uh, you know that uh, the the key had three letters, right? So pressing four was is it I? What are the other four? I J K. What is that? <coughs> Do you remember? Your previous uh, phone, you know, before the smartphone. So, how to do the predictive mobile text entry? The, the long case all they have built in uh, predictive messaging, yeah? You type the key once, you have three letter choices, but you press it once. Once you press key once, three uh, the keys it proposes, you make that word, right? You start the message uh, by pressing once. So what is the message decoded in here? So there are uh, one, two, three, four tokens. The first one could be either give or hive, G and H and I. Under 4, there is GI uh, H. So you, there are multiple words possible in here. There are multiple words possible in here. In here, um, three letters, but A is the word. And in here, ping, ring, or sing. And what was the message? Hive of a sing. It's unlikely that you have written that. So how, how can you figure out what is the most likely uh, path in here? Give me a ring would be uh, by frequency. What is the most, you, you take the large text corpus and you analyze what are the most common words 
what are the most common uh, pairs or triples of words. And from there you can go from what is the probability to have this and after that this one, etc. And what you want to have is ultimately the most probable path through this uh, crowd. So you can take this, uh, uh, this input, convert it into potential tokens, and from any token from here, you can go to the next token, to the next token, but there will be all different paths. So in a way, you will have this sort of graph, and you would say that the, the path that maximizes the probability across all the stages is the most probable sentence. Uh, maximizing is sort of like longest distance, but you can convert this into shortest distance problem by reversing the probabilities, uh, of course, and then you can ask what is the most uh, probable, overall probable path uh, through these uh, probability weighted edges. Uh, I think this description was, why did I use this in here was, uh, this was coming directly from some patent application. Applying the, the graph search uh, and these probabilities to this problem. So the, when we think of the shortest uh, uh, path problems, then we can either have the single source, we are here, and we want to find the shortest path to anywhere, uh, single source, uh, shortest paths to anywhere, uh, single destination, we can say that we want to go end up in this location, so, oh so, sorry, this is like a reverse, single destination, all the, all the ways go to Rome, so what are the shortest uh, paths from any place to Rome, but this is the reverse uh, problem of the, if you would start going out from, uh, from Rome. Single pair, sh uh, shortest path is that you have a pair of nodes. Yeah? And you ask what is the shortest path between the two locations. It claims in here that, in fact, to get for any pair, asymptotically there are not faster algorithms than just exploring from one source to any place the shortest path. Of course, in practice, you can uh, you can apply heuristics that allow you to to find uh, if you if if you, if you know the direction, then you can apply heuristic. But if you don't have any heuristic to apply, then you can always you can always go make the graph that you are almost there, but then there is expensive uh, thing at the end, and then you have to backtrack and explore all the possible paths anyway. So for a pair of nodes, the shortest path between those, uh, asymptotically, it's almost like finding one from one node to any place. Uh, in practice, we can do uh, better, of course. And uh, the last one is just all pairs, shortest path uh, from, any, from any place to any place. Uh, uh, this can be uh, solved by applying dynamic programming, um, sort of like keeping track of all the pairwise shortest distances and just uh, uh, using those in extending the in extending the uh, 
current shortest path. Let me see. Yeah, this one is again illustration from one node. Depending on the on the node, the shortest path trees will have different. If if you start from here, then this is the shortest path tree. We start from top left corner, or we start from the middle. So depending on the source, you get the shortest path uh, trees. What will happen? From single okay, from single source, starting from source S in here, uh, three and five, three. Both of these are uh, shortest path uh, trees because this one you could go either with the distance five directly or three plus two five again also from here. So both of these examples are uh, shortest path uh, trees. What will happen when we have uh, negative values? So we, we you, you, you tend to think that these are positive weights. We get longer and longer hops. But what will happen when, it, when there are negative weights? If this is the case like 2, 3, minus 6, minus, well, Every time you do the loop, you decrease the weight. Yeah? Every time you subtract minus 3, when you go through 3 minus 6, 3 minus 6, plus 3 minus 6. So if there is negative values, then at least there should not be loops that take you to minus infinity. Negative values in here is okay because it would be stupid to go six minus three plus six every time we add three, so we wouldn't go through this loop multiple times. And in here, well, three minus one plus three, so it's feasible. So negative values could be tolerated sometimes, except when they create loops that just keep going to the minus infinity. And then, respectively, you can have the you can have the algorithms that try to detect such negative loops. They don't have to be small like in here, but they could have a longer loop. Uh, the ones that um, try to avoid these ones, um, you can deal with negative values sometimes, but not always. If there is loop, then you, you should not be able uh, to apply that. The, the chains could be uh, long, and if you think of the, of the financial sector, you exchange one currency to the other, you get certain amount, you get to the next, you get the next amount. If there is a long part of currency exchanges, you start from certain value, but you end up getting more value. <coughs> this is called arbitrage. So this is almost like finding the negative uh, value loops where you can earn money. If, if the banks are not real-time connected, then you can uh, you can in fact find such cases. Uh, Christoph Gartman was once uh, 
posting a photo from the same airport, uh, I think it was in Ukraine, uh, the two uh, currency exchange boutiques, that if you would exchange from one and the other, carry the money around, you would get richer and richer within the same airport. Okay, uh, the idea of all these single source shortest paths is that we, you look at the uh, vertices, at the beginning they're all infinitely uh, far from you, you don't have the, the covering tree yet, so you just initialize everything, everything is infinitely far, but then we start adding the edges uh, by, by getting the, the distance to the next node, and if later we can get a better distance, we can relax, sort of like, if V was nine away, uh, distance 9 away, but now we discover a new path, 5 plus 2 would be 7, so we just look at the edge, and if that decreases the distance, then we relax, uh, instead of 9, we decrease the value 7, in here. 5 plus 2 would be 7, so that's a not broken 7 would be more than 6, so relaxation doesn't do anything in here. And uh, this is how we get from single source, we start calculating the distances. In the beginning everything is infinitely far, we look at, uh, at the neighborhood, we get the first estimate, what is right next to us, but through the longer loop, you can come back to the overall cheaper cost. So we keep uh, applying this relaxation uh, in rounds. Bermaford initializes everything. Everything is infinitely far. But then we do multiple rounds and just go through every edge once. And we keep relaxing or getting the, the, the distances updated. Um, and then if we do it multiple times, uh, goes through every edge once. <coughs> every, all the short distances should have been propagating through the graph, but if we do this once again, and it can get even better, in that case it would tell you that there is a negative cycle loop. Uh, So in the beginning, everything is infinite distance. We look at the neighborhood of S, 6 and 7. So we get estimates for this T and Y nodes. These are, this is 6 and 7. The way, now we look at their neighborhoods. Uh, 6 plus 5 would be 11, but 7, plus, 7 minus 3 is 4. So 4 is, of course, better, so 7 and 4, uh, and from here 6 minus 4 is 2 in there. So this is the current situation, but when we keep, uh, what can we do next? We can, from 4, subtract 2 and get the value 
two in here. So suddenly we get a much better estimate to that location. Two minus four, apply two minus four, we get minus two in here. So, so sort of like you can keep relaxing the distances and from, from source by following this cycle we get with minus two in this node, in fact. In the beginning it was infinite distance, two, two, now it's minus two. Uh, is it, can you find any negative cycles in here? Not. Minus 3 minus this 2 is minus 5, but 8. Minus 4, 7. Minus, minus 6 plus 1. Minus 6 plus 1. But there are no negative uh, loops in here. Okay, uh, the idea was uh, so that we have the, have the graph, we have all the nodes. But we go through the edges, and if the if the edge applied to the correct knowledge decreases the estimates, then we apply. This has to be done uh, enough many times. So the size of the graph times we go through every edge, uh, because then if something changes on the way, look how late we observe that in fact. In fact, the distance to that node is only two. So all the distances have to be propagated through the graph, and then we get something changed. So the next time that we apply the relaxation to each one, so this get uh, this can get even smaller. So the that's why the edges have to go through. Uh, we have to go through the edges multiple times. Okay. Uh, if we had a directed acyclic graph, so there is no. Yes? I have a question. Did you already uh, give an example of real life application that would use negative? Like, in what cases in real life would have negative? Uh, I, I think there will be some algorithm that deals with the negative. Um, which one would have negative? Well, the one that I mentioned about the arbitrage in the currency chain. If you go exchange, you, you can get more, or potentially you could, uh, well, usually you get less, right? Because there are all these large margins, but sometimes the, the, the price differences are so that you will benefit. And, and currency exchange is sort of like simple example. But if you think of all the uh, stock markets that trade with the same stock in different stock markets, how quickly they can make sure that the prices are, you see the price starts to, increase in one place, you buy from the other and sell it there. So potentially, of course, nowadays all of those are made efficiently out of all the business, all, all such business. But early days, it wasn't the case. Um, okay, but uh, I think I will stop in here and, uh, and uh, next week I will see what I need to repeat. Um, to get back to the phase.
And I haven't uploaded two or three tasks for next week, so I have to do that. Uh, lastly, it turned out that the, the bonus task was too, no, nobody submitted the solutions for bonus tasks, so that was uh, too hard, uh, apparently. But, uh, Can you discuss the, uh, what's the word, like, ex exceeding the deadline to, for the first week? For, like, today is the first time, there's not yet an exercise. There was no lecture and so on. Have you discussed it or? For the next Monday, um, I will put the tasks up today and I will not make them too hard, if possible. Okay. <coughs>